Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is our Browns-Ravens preview. Of course, a gigantic AFC North showdown. Baltimore leading the division at 7-2. and two. The Browns a game and a half back at 5-3. and three. Of course, if they win, uh, they can pull even with the Ravens in the loss column. So all sorts of implications in Baltimore on Sunday. So we're going to preview the game. Like we do every single week, Mary Kay and Ashley are here right now. Uh, we're going to have Lance Reisland on. He's going to break down the film on the Ravens, tell us a lot about what Lamar Jackson is doing well, look at that defense, uh, what it could mean if Marlon Humphrey, who uh, was limited today, left practice with a hamstring injury. If he can't go, we get into all of that. Tyler Shoemaker joins us. He'll give you his best bets and his picks for the game, and then we'll come back at the end and we'll make our picks. Let's get to it, though. Like I said, Mary Kay and Ashley are here. So, Mary Kay, let's do this three things to watch style. What have you got? Well, I am, surprise, surprise, going to go with, uh, you know, seeing what Deshaun Watson in his second game back from this rotator cuff can accomplish against a very, very good Ravens defense. I mean, my goodness, when you look at all the numbers and all the stats, you can see that they are allowing an average of 10 points a game at home. Uh, you know, they just have one thing after another that would allow them to possibly lay claim to the best defense in the world mantra uh, that the Browns are also using. So um, there's all kinds of things about them. In addition to the 13.8 points a game, uh, that they are giving up for number one in the league. They, they've only allowed an NFL best nine touchdowns by the offense. They're first in red zone touchdown percentage at 33.3%. Uh, they're number one in quarterback opposing quarterback rating at 69.7. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So, um, you know, I, I'm just very interested to see what he can do against a defense that is just going to be coming after him and coming after him and coming after him. And then you've got Geno Stone, the safety, who leads the NFL with six interceptions. So they create a lot of pressure. They create the takeaways. They, they get the interceptions. It's going to be an enormous challenge for him. This is maybe the most fascinating storyline for Browns fans, I think. like Because we've seen Desha- the last two times we've seen Deshaun Watson play a full game. He's looked really good. It's also been against Tennessee and Arizona. So 
there's a world where he looks great in this game and it's like, all right, Deshaun's back. Let's go. Browns can go win this division. Or it looks like it did against the Steelers and we're back to square one with Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't matter if they win, right? That's all. Just go win the game. But Ashley, Deshaun against this defense in a division game, we've, we've talked about this. This is why this is why you go get Deshaun Watson for games like this. Yeah, I'm really curious to you because I watched the condensed version of the Ravens Seahawks. And like, I felt like the Ravens defense took advantage of like everything they were supposed to against Geno Smith. Like since we, we had spent the previous week talking about Geno and the Seahawks and where they were maybe susceptible to some things. And because of his throwing motion, like being susceptible to interceptions sometimes and things like that. And it felt like the Ravens just did all that stuff and won pretty easily against the team that the week before had beaten the Browns. So I was just thinking about like, hmm, I'm really curious to see some things they're going to do to try to stop Deshaun Watson. I mean, I think a big part of this is can he get the ball to somebody that's not Amari Cooper? Because he didn't really have to try to get the ball to somebody not Amari Cooper for the most part. Like, right, Amari was able to, you know, get those explosive plays against the Cardinals and especially the two key plays of the game were to Amari, I think. But I think you have to have somebody else because the Ravens are much more equipped to say, okay, you're, you're only going to throw to Amari Cooper. That's great. We're going to do everything we can to stop Amari Cooper and just stymie this offense. So I do think that, you know, the flip side of that is they haven't had to face Deshaun Watson this year, but this defense is good. And I think they're overall, I know some guys popped up on the injury report today for them, um, but it is, does seem like a healthier Ravens team than the Browns saw the first time as well. So two sides of the same coin there. Mary Kay, do we care if Deshaun like just looks okay in this game, but the Browns win? No, no, nobody would. Nobody needs to care about that. Um, the Browns don't need to care about that. All they care about is they need to come out of here with a win uh, in any way possible because it's vitally important for them to win this game. Now, I do think it's important that they split these two games. So if they don't get this one, the sky isn't going to fall. They can still come back and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they still have a chance to make the playoffs. All is not lost if they lose this game, I don't think. Um, but certainly it would make their lives a whole a whole lot easier. But in terms of Deshaun, I don't think Deshaun uh, needs to go out and, you know, light it up and, and, you know, be absolutely amazing. If they win the game because, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt scored two rushing touchdowns and the Browns intercepted Lamar Jackson – two or three times, then, you know, so be it. I don't think how they get there is as important as they get there. Okay, Ashley, what are you watching in this game? Yeah, I'm going to be watching something. I've, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast already. I've written about it a lot this week, and I've been thinking about it a lot this week. So no surprise, it's what I'm watching. It has to do with defense. And I'll keep it broader for the most part because I'm curious to see how this defense is going to handle like the chess match aspect of these division matchups, because I think they have a lot of things that they obviously needed to fix from this last time around. You know, Jim Schwartz today kind of had a funny line about, well, I'll let the Ravens figure out what we learned. Like, you know, it's like he's not going to say everything they learned and all the adjustments they're going to make. Understandably so. But I still think when we look back at that first Ravens game, they did such a good job of using the Browns' aggressiveness specifically along their defensive line against them. And I think like 
that's an easy enough plan in theory, right? But the problem is when you're facing the Ravens, they have the quarterback in Lamar Jackson and everything he can do and how well he's playing right now that can really exploit just about every mistake you're going to make. If you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. And the way they were able to trap some of those defensive edge rushers and the defensive linemen and let them get upfield and Lamar says, okay, you're going to do that. Well, we're just going to send our guy in motion. Um, They bit on it just about every time. So they can't do that again. Uh, And when they bit on those sorts of things, Lamar's just able to step into those gaps and either make a throw or take off. So I'm just really curious because this is really that first test of how do you adjust to an opponent you see multiple times for this defense and how are you going to deal with, you know, assuming the Ravens are going to throw some different things at you. So I just think that's the most interesting part on the defensive side of the ball to me. We, we talked about it after that, that Ravens game, like Lamar Jackson is like that superhero quarterback that can, can beat a defense like this. And Miles Miles Garrett can do everything right. And Lamar Jackson can still get away or, you know, these cornerbacks can do everything right, but then the scramble drill breaks it down and, and they give up a touchdown or something. I, this offense with the way Lamar is playing, he's completing 70% of his passes. He's still doing a lot of the things with his legs that he's capable of doing is so difficult to stop right now. Uh, but Mary Kay, again, sort of like Deshaun, this is a really good test for him. This is another good test for this defense. It's a rematch against really the first team that maybe exposed some things uh, in, in Jim Schwartz's system. Yes. And I, I think that they have a lot to prove. Uh, you know, they, they talk a big game, they carry a big boom box. And, uh, and I think that, that this Browns defense is really mad about the way uh, that it played. And they let Roquan Smith come in there and beat their tails in front of their wives and children. And I don't think they're very happy about it. And this is a, a prideful unit and they know how good they are. And I think they're going to come out and play with their hair on fire. I think they are fired up. I think as Wyatt Teller told us the other day, they feel the Ravens are beatable. And I think that this team is conceding nothing. They no, no one gave them a chance in hell to beat the San Francisco 49ers when they were 10-point underdogs in that game. No one is giving them a chance here, but they're giving themselves a chance. I can promise you they're giving themselves a good chance to win this game, and I, I think it's going to be quite the battle at M&T Bank. Ashley, I do get the sense nobody's saying anything. Obviously, we talked about that on uh, on. Wednesday's pod, Thursday's pod, whatever pod we talked about it on. Nobody's really saying anything in the Browns locker room, but I do get a sense that there is a feeling here, really on both sides of the ball, uh, on both sides, both teams. We're going to show up and we're going to prove we're the best defensive football. <laughs> like the Ravens are thinking yeah. that, the Browns are thinking that. I I don't know. Maybe this is going to be like a 3 nothing game because both these defenses are just going to go out there to, to prove that they're the best team in football. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, right, because it seems like I said this before, like just about any like major stat that the Browns don't lead the league in, it seems like the Ravens do. Like the Ravens lead the NFL in points per game. They lead the league in red zone defense. The Browns lead it, you know, in 
total defensive yards allowed and pass defense. They're the best third down team in the league. I think they're the best first down team too. They, they don't give up many first downs um, in the each of their individual games. But I do get that vibe. And especially like, it's just kind of connecting the dots for me, right? Because after the Cardinals game, basically every defensive player we talked to talked about how Jim Schwartz had shown basically a film and some of the bad things they had done over the previous two weeks against the Colts and the Seahawks. And they were really like fired up about that and kept talking about how that's not us, like some of these mistakes they were making. And no one would get too specific, right? But that they were very determined against the Cardinals to come out and be aggressive and do what they do best. And like, I'm just thinking like the Ravens game to me is still like maybe the worst defensive performance we've seen from this unit. Even if like, I think in the Colts, they gave up more rushing yards, for example, right? And I do think in the Ravens game, they were put in some bad positions. Two of those touchdowns came off of DTR interceptions. The Ravens were able to be in the Browns territory on the 10 and the 38 for two of those drives. So there's not much you can do. But I think that they probably view this still as like their worst showing of the year, especially because of the stakes. Mohurst even said in the locker room last week, like you want to play your best ball against your division opponents. And we didn't do that against two of ours the first time around. So even if they won't say it, it's like the way they're talking about the, the Colts and the Seahawks, I know they feel more strongly about Baltimore. Okay, my uh, my topic, my thing to watch. It's the topic du jour of the week. Mary Kay, who's going to play tackle in this game? Because I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a great question, and they've been doing a, a tremendous job of keeping that under wraps, which they need to do because they need – all the help that they can get in the competitive advantage realm. So they are uh, really trying to hide it and, you know, mess with us a little bit too, I think, and have us reporting, you know, certain things that, um, you know, that we are coming up with somehow. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I really don't know yet. I still have a feeling that Dewan Jones, I feel like they're going to somehow trot him out there in practice on Friday or, or somehow, get him out there in the game unless he unless he suffered a really significant knee injury and just cannot play I mean he played with the shoulder injury last week so um you know I just don't know I don't know if he can't play then I think it's going to be um James Hudson on one side and then they're going to have to either plug in uh you know Leroy Watson the guy that they recently picked up or um or another guy that they recently picked up, and that is one Garan Christian. So it, it just seems like one. I might not even be saying that right. Um, we're, all, you know, we're all in the same boat on this. We are getting deep into the the Browns tackle depth yeah, chart this or week. Like yeah, Alex, Alex Leatherwood. Alex is Leatherwood. The other one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate for the Browns to have to go into this game handicapped at the tackle position because this is not a game that you need to have that happening in. It's like going against the Cleveland Browns without having your tackles. It really is. I mean, that, that's how good this Ravens defense is. And they can come from anywhere. Their leading sacker has seven and a half sacks. Uh, their next guy has five. Uh, they lead the league with 35. So uh, it's just not the kind of game where you want to be without your best tackles and they're going to have to get the best five players on that field somehow, some way. Um, but if DeWan doesn't play, they will definitely be behind the eight ball in that regard. 
I do think, like, it wouldn't surprise me if DeWan went out there on Friday and, okay, he's questionable, but he's going to play, whatever it is. Um, we've seen it before where guys don't practice Wednesday, Thursday, they get out there Friday and they can go. Um, I do think, though, any thought of moving DeWan Jones to the left side is probably out of the equation here because he didn't even get to practice there. And these Friday practices aren't really, these aren't exactly hard practices. So it does seem like maybe there's a little clarity there that I, I think it would be a big ask, Ashley, for him to have to move to the left side without any real practice time. I think so too. I mean, especially just like the rookie aspect of it all, right? Like it's not like they've used him on the left side before. I think like with James Hudson, it's different just because like he's been training as a swing tackle. And it's like, even if, you know, wherever we're seeing him work in practice, when we are out there, I think that it's not that big of a deal for him to have to plug in on either side at this point. Like he's spent months and months and months repping both, both sides. So to me, I feel like it just would be really unlikely to see DeWand make that switch this late in the week. And like we said, we know those Friday practices are what they are. They're shorter. There's not much to them. Um, and he hasn't been out there to do that. And it, they haven't had him out there to experiment with that these first two days of the week here. Okay, we're going to take a break. And on the other side of the break, Lance Risen is going to join us. Then coming up, Tyler Shoemaker is going to make his... Uh, picks his nfl bets he's going to update you on his index where everyone's ranked and then we'll come back and we're going to make our picks for this game but like i said first we're going to take a break and then lance risen will join us on the other side and welcome back to the orange brown talk podcast our browns ravens preview we welcome lance riseland to the show now lance how are you very well dan how are you tonight doing all right all right let's get to it browns ravens big showdown in baltimore Lamar Jackson, uh, I think one of the stories of this NFL season, we saw what he did to the Browns back in week four, an MVP candidate for sure, uh, looks rejuvenated in this Todd Munkin offense. Where are things at right now with Lamar Jackson? How? Just a big general question. How is Lamar Jackson playing right now? Well, if you look at his season stats, so he's got, you know, he's got 1,900 yards passing, but he's completing 71% of his passes. Last week against the Seahawks, he was 21 of 26 for 100, only 187 yards, but completed 80% of his passes, 80.8. Um, what he's doing very well, he's doing what he always does well. So he's moving outside the pocket. Um, he's running their read-run game very, very well. I think the Browns got to get it out of his hand. Uh, but the thing that Todd Munkin has brought to him is his footwork, mechanics, and fundamentals with inside the pocket, you know, here you hear all this off platform stuff and he does all that, but there's a time and a place for a quarterback that you stand in the pocket tall and you use good fundamentals, transfer your weight, go through progressions. And, you know, going back to uh, Roman, who once again, I like Roman. I thought he maximized his ability with his feet. What Munkin is doing is he's keeping that, but now he's maximizing his ability in his pocket. I still think the pocket is the best place for him to be if you're an opponent, but that's not a weakness anymore. He deciphers. He breaks down defenses very well. He comes to he comes to his checkdowns very well. Uh, he's he's working Andrews in the slot. He's also got some more weapons now. Zay Flowers. Uh, you know, last week I thought you know I thought OBJ was pretty good last week. He looked like he had a little bit of twitchiness back. Uh, Aguilar is a good blocker, so he's got a little bit more weapons. They can spread the field a little bit more. They're not as condensed in their formations, and he's just really good everywhere now. He's not just a runner with good feet, makes good throws. He's processing. 
He's throwing it short, middle, deep. He's doing a lot well right now. I'm glad you brought up the the Greg Roman part of this because, look, obviously that offense ran its course. It was getting stale, and they needed to do something there. But I I don't think that should take away from what Greg Roman kind of unlocked in Lamar Jackson. I feel like for Lamar to get to where he is now, he needed Greg Roman for a few years because Greg is the one that really sort of drove that, hey, let's build this thing around Lamar. Let's make it fit what he really does well. And it allowed Lamar to kind of develop. And now we're seeing Todd Munkin sort of take him take him back a little bit to those college days when, you know, when it was a little more of an open offense in, Louis, in uh, Louisville. But I think he needed Greg Roman. And I think now, like you mentioned, this is sort of the next evolution for him. I think that's said very well in terms of like, it's not a replacement. Like Greg Roman was terrible. I think it's a, I think it is. It's an evolution of what he can do now. So coming out of college, coming out of Louisville, when you run those spread offenses in colleges, you're never calling plays. You're always getting it from the sideline. Everything is super fast. Uh, and basically he's getting the ball, no matter what it is They're you know, they're dictating the offense for him. Now, Greg, when he got with Greg Roman, Greg Roman, uh, minimized his reads, minimized his progression, lots of levels routes, lots of boots and waggles. The run the run game was outstanding. You can look back to Greg Roman, that escort shuffle where they're moving that H-back real fast now uh, as compared to real slow. You can go back to Greg Roman, kind of started that a couple years ago, trying to figure out how to get all these motions and shifts. And uh, I thought he did a great job, but I don't think it helped him in the spread game. Now, you know, Munkin's a very smart guy, so Munkin kept a lot of that stuff. There's a lot of Munkin. There's a lot of Greg Roman in that offense. Zone reads, uh, zone reads with multiple people out front to block, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But now he's just now he's good in the pocket too. So uh, yeah, it's not a it's not a we got rid of this guy. It's we got brought the next guy in to help this guy get even better. I think the scariest thing for me with Lamar is he can still do so much with his legs, but you mentioned it that completion percentage. He's so much more efficient throwing the football. So you're not talking about a guy who is in the the low to mid sixties now in in completion percentage. You know, you look through his career, his career high before this year was 66-1 in 2019. Every other year it was below 65. Now you got a guy that can kill you with his legs, but he's also completing seven out of every 10 passes he throws. Well, and so what you get, so you go, that's a great call. So if you go back to Greg Roman, a lot of their, a lot of their offense was shot plays passing wise. So you're going to run the ball, you're going to run the ball, you're going to show run, then you're going to take a shot. And when you take a shot, those are vertical passes that aren't very, the percentage for everybody on a vertical pass is not very good. Every 10 yards you add to a pass, it knocks the percentage down a ton. So back in the Roman days, it was a lot of shot plays, a lot of field down, but a lot of, a lot of you know, one man, almost one man concepts with Andrews and stuff. So now the, re- the percentage is so high because you see him chucking the ball down now. He's throwing the swing routes. He's getting rid of the ball. You, there's a great play last week where he, he works his progression. It's just all hitches. Five guys are running hitches, but he he works the progression and finds the opening to Andrew. So, and then Zay Flowers is giving him some run after catch, so they're able to throw the bubbles and the screens and the quick screens. So he's getting them some easy yards, which uh, helps improve the um, the percentage. But everything's not a home run now. This is the NFL offense with an elite athlete at quarterback, which makes them really really scary. Okay, let's shift our focus here to the Browns, um, and then we'll get back to a little more Ravens-specific <laughs> stuff. But uh, the Browns going into a situation here where they definitely will not have one of their tackles. Jedrick Wills is on injured reserve. We don't know if they're going to have their other tackle either right now. Uh, Dewan Jones hasn't practiced two days in a row dealing with uh, knee and shoulder issues. We'll see what happens on Friday. I think this... This is just my opinion. I feel like this rules out any idea of moving him to left tackle. I feel like you would have had to 
to have at least one real practice day. And these Friday practices are so quick um, that, that I don't think you can throw them at left tackle on Friday and feel good about it. So I feel like that option is out. If Dewan plays, he'll probably be a right tackle. There's a chance they might ha- not have either guy. James Hudson would be in the mix somewhere. How do you compensate if you're the Browns and you're missing one or both of your starting tackles? Well, if you look at like the Bengals, for example, Zach Taylor's a five guy out. He likes to get five guys out almost every time. Rarely chips. They, you know, it's always hot with Joe Burrow. Kevin Stefanski has always done a great job of helping people who need help. So this is not this is not something he they've had to do extra. This is something that's part of his philosophy. It's part of his um, foundational pass game where he can run the boots and waggles. But if you talk about true trot back, they're going to do a bunch of different things. They're going to chip with Hunt. They're going to chip with. Uh, um, they're going to leave Najoku there a couple of times. They'll leave a tight end in. You're going to see Brian over there. They're going to they're going to run at those uh, pass rushers to slow them down a little bit. He has always had a p- uh, plan for elite pass rushers, whether they be a three technique, a five technique, wherever they're at. So they don't have to change. What it does is it'll it'll get less guys out in the route, um, which I don't think is always a bad thing. I think the Browns can take advantage of the secondary. Um, so their front seven, that front seven of the Ravens is really, really, really good. And you're not going to get 10 and 12 play drives. They've got to get some vertical chunks to beat this Raven team. And sometimes those vertical chunks come with a little bit of more max protection. So I don't, you know, I, I don't worry about that all with Kevin Stefanski. He's always done a, a really masterclass job of helping guys who need help uh, with chips. And, you know, you, there's a bunch of different things, but he does it all and, and does it very well. So, and I mean, you can see it in the past, they've had a lot of guys out. They usually, the ship with Callahan, the ship keeps moving with those guys. And that's why, because they have a plan. They're not going in this week saying, oh, these guys are hurt. This is, okay, we got this pass rush. We got this pass rush. We're going to have to help. And they do a great job of it. All right, let's 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 talk about that Ravens defense. Uh, built a little bit old school, right? They're, they're really strong at linebacker. They sort of, they put it together a pass rush. They don't have a Miles Garrett. Obviously, Jadavion Clowney is, is playing really well, but they don't have like a Miles Garrett or a TJ Watt or, a Nick Bosa. They they kind of figure out ways to generate pass rush. Now, uh, Marlon Humphrey left practice on Thursday with a hamstring injury, so he's limited. We'll have an update on him, some sort of update on him on Friday. Uh, Marcus Williams is back, it appears, from his hamstring injury. He's been full at practice two days in a row. So let's start there. Uh, having Williams, what does that do for this defense? We know that they have, we know that they're strong at safety, but what is having him back? What, what does that do for them? Well, if you look at their back end, one thing they're susceptible to is because of their strength, kind of like the Browns with the pass rush, is they're very aggressive guys. So these guys are these guys can be beat on double moves. Uh, they get nosy. They all get nosy. It is an old-school defense. They got really good players. Uh, Michael Pierce has been a, a complete menace the last two weeks inside. He's six foot. He's 350. Uh, Secondary-wise, so they once again, they marry each other. The secondary uh, relies on that pass rush. Uh, their second level is as good as any second level. Those linebackers and Hamilton are as good as any in, in the National Football League. Those guys are all elite. So the secondary benefits from that front seven. Uh, Williams is good. He's a he's a sideline to sideline guy. He can cover over the top. He's physical in the run game. He kind of fits their mold. Kind of fits their mo and their defense. Guys who can cover. Guys who can play multiple positions. Guys who are physical. Uh, this is a physical bunch. They out physical the Browns last last time more than anything else. I know it was DTR's first start, but they got after the Browns. They got sick of hearing how good the Browns defense was, and they they challenged the Browns offense and really got after him. But Williams adds another uh, kind of piece of that nastiness and guys who can run and hit. So the Marlon Humphrey thing, um, 
obviously, you know, if you have him, it at least gives you a better shot against a guy like Amari Cooper. I don't think anybody shuts down Amari Cooper, but it gives you a better opportunity. Uh, Maybe you can even leave him in some one-on-one matchups now and then. You don't have to double him all the time. So what would it mean for this defense if Marlon Humphrey is unable to go on Sunday? Well, it's big, right? So if you don't have Humphrey, then you're, uh, I don't care who it is, you're going with the backup. Now, the thing that that makes that even bigger is that Watson's starting to process. So if you go back to last week, the 49-yard pass, Buda Baker was in the box. And people say, you know, and I heard Kevin say they made up the play. Those two kind of made up the play. Well, the reason they did is because Buda Baker was trying to hide in the box. But the safety, Thompson, was on the other hash, which told Deshaun Watson they were in cover two. So Cooper outside, you know, he pushed Hamilton wide. And then got beat Baker because Baker was close trying to play games like Baker likes to do. So what it does is that now that he's processing information and and hopefully he's going to continue to ascend, which I think he is. If you look at what he's done the two games he's been healthy, it's been really good. And I think that's going to happen this week. And so with him ability with his ability to process, if you don't have Humphrey, even with Humphrey, I think they can attack Humphrey. Um because he can put the ball where it needs to be because he's processing the information in front of him. So uh, without Humphrey, those safeties are going to have to cover a little bit and help a little bit, which they don't like to do. They like to play down the box and they like to be aggressive. What, what does this Browns defense need to change? What needs to change from what they did in week four to this week? All right. So they, they, you know, the first thing is, is that they only had two drives. So one drive, they one scoring drive was from the 10, one scoring drive was from the 38 yard line. They had six, three and outs. So they played very well. And I know you had mentioned that right after, you know, early on after that game, they did a lot of really good things. Those two successful drives at the uh, Ravens did Munkin's very good. So what Munkin did was Munkin said, let's take the, get these guys upfield. And he, and he kind of influenced them to come upfield and then they would trap them, wham them or kick them out. So that was the first thing they did. That all comes with adjustments. So inside, you know, they might not be want to be as wide as they normally are. They might want to cover those tackles a little bit. Those defensive tackles have to make sure they get their hands on the guard. So two things are going to happen when you get your hands on those offensive linemen a little bit. One is you're going to be at the line of scrimmage a little bit more, so you're not going to get kicked out as much. Next is if you get your hands on the offensive linemen, they're not running full speed at the second level which the Browns linebackers can't have people running full speed at them. They're not big enough. So that's what, that's what you see. So you're going to see the big improvement out there. It doesn't, doesn't change your scheme. It's just you watch the film and you go, hey, I got to get my hands on a little bit. That's an easy fix. The next thing you got to do, which they've been working on, because as you and I have talked about, they work the same stuff. Those inside guys, those linebackers and Delpit and JOK, they're going to have to cover. They're going to get caught in some cover. And if you look at last game, there's a lot of really good throws from Jackson and they're just going to have to, you know, now they got to win those 50, 50 matchups because they're going to happen again. I still don't think the Ravens receivers, even though Zay flowers is having a good year. Um, you know, OBJ was good. Aguilar's good. I still think Andrews and those guys in the backside of the backfield, are their best chance to move the ball in the pass game. So those guys are just going to have to win the matchups. They were, they were, in, they were in place last time. They just lost a couple matchups. So um, <clears throat> it's just staying at the line of scrimmage. It's winning some matchups and, and, and being who you are not saying, Oh, what do we do? No, the, that's not Schwartz doesn't do that. This is what we do. We got to do what we do better. And they're going to do it better this week. All right. I'm going to ask you this. I want to know what you would do. How would you attack Mark Andrews? Because he's one of those guys. It's a little bit like, like it's, it's like Travis Kelsey, right? You know, Hey, it's third down and five. I know Patrick Mahomes is going to look for Travis Kelsey. And yet somehow Travis Kelsey still gets open. Um, Mark Andrews is that type of guy. <laughs> I think the well, Browns have options, right? Yeah. Like, would would you put a Mart? Would you try a Martin Emerson on him? Would you try a safety? And would you mix it up? How would you attack him? 
Well, I think you're, first of all, like you just said it, you'd mix it up. But the first, it, I would say this, and this would be exactly what we did against good tight ends, is that if he's in line, so if he's next to the tackle, we're hitting him every time. So, you know, the Browns ends like to be outside. So if he lines up at tight end, you head him up and you hit him every single time. You'd be physical with him every time. And the Browns have guys that could be physical. Now, it might take a little bit away from your pass rush, but like you said, they're looking for him anyway. So the other guys are going to get home because that's who Jackson wants to get the ball to. So if he lines up inside. Now, if he lines up outside, I'm either putting Emerson on him because of the size or I'm going to put a backer and I'm going to make sure that the backer has outside leverage. And he takes away all week. He is taking out outside release with the safety help inside. So if they're going to be in man coverage, so what the Browns can say is that they're going to be in one safety deep, but really they're going to be in zero. They're going to say, all right, Ward, uh, all you guys, Emerson, you know, all you guys, you guys are going to be in man coverage against these guys. And we're going to take Thornhill is going to be inside and we're going to take the backer or the nickel guy. And we're going to put him outside and you're going to bracket him. Now, if you lose, if Zay Flowers beats Denzel Ward, then you lost. But the thing that you hate as a coach is when you know who the best player is and he still beats you. So I don't see that in Jim Schwartz. I see them, if he's in line, they're going to attack him. If he's split outside or thing like that, they're gonna, if he's way outside at well, number one, like they do sometimes, cover him with a whoever corners on that side. But if he's inside the slot where he does most of his damage, where he's in a receiver stance within the slot, double him, double him, and double him. Don't let him beat you uh, because you got a backer or it on him. Don't let him do that. Double him, make everybody else cover man, make him throw the ball to somebody else. That would be my attack towards him. Okay. Here we go. Time to make your pick. What do you, what do you have in this game? Well, you know, I, once again, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm probably going to be uh, the only one on this side, but I like the Browns. I like the Browns. I know the record's terrible away. Uh, I'm going with two things. I'm going with things I've heard uh, you guys talk on your podcast for two years now. Deshaun Watson's here for a reason. And I'm going to say he's going to build on, I mean, this is my offensive mind, but he's going to build off those two games. He was healthy. He's played at a high level. This is kind of why they got Deshaun Watson, right? to play in these games, not to beat the Cardinals. This is why you got him. So hopefully he's going to continue to ascend. I think I, and basically it comes down to Munkin for Schwartz. And for me, Schwartz has got the, the pedigree. So I'm going to say that the Brown Watson continues to get better. Schwartz wins the Munkin matchup. And uh, I got the Browns 24, 21. Okay, there we go. That is Lance Reisland. Uh, he joins us every Wednesday and Friday on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast to break down the film, looking back on Wednesdays and looking ahead on Fridays. Lance, appreciate the time. As always, thanks for having me. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance Reisland for breaking down the tape. And now, as we do every week, we welcome on Tyler Shoemaker. Tyler, how are you? Dang, good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, well, we did okay last week. Uh, hit both we the Browns bets. Yeah, that was that was a nice uh, nice two and zero week. They've they've let us down at, at times throughout the season, so it's good <laughs> to, to get a two and two and zero week. Hopefully, we can keep that rolling. All right, let's start where we always do, though. Let's let's get some uh, some updated index rankings here. Give us your top five. Sure, top five. So the Ravens uh, still number one by a sizable margin. They've got a rating of eight point three and second. Uh, the number two team is is the Niners at 5.4, so about a three-point gap between number one and number two right now, uh, followed by the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Cowboys overtake the Jags as the number five team this week by a tenth of a point. So the Jags are still hanging in there at number six, but Cowboys jump up to, to number five uh, this week. Wow, Cowboys. Okay. Um, I cannot get a feel for the Cowboys. That's one team that I just – I don't know. I don't know what to make of them. I, I wasn't like – I mean, they lost that game to the Eagles, but 
I mean, one, one or two things goes a different way. That's a different outcome. So I, I can't get, that's one of those teams. I just cannot get a feel for. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I I've still got them uh, 1.2 points higher than the Eagles on a, on a neutral field. Um, So I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, I think they're probably better. I think if they played, you know, 10 times, I think the Cowboys would win the majority, but that's the, that's the nature of the beast. All right. The part everyone's been waiting for the Hugh Jackson <laughs> five. What, what do we got at the bottom? All right. At the bottom, we've got the Patriots, the Cardinals, the commanders, the Panthers, and the giants remain supreme as the Hugh Jackson bottom team of the week. I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon, especially at, well, now that Daniel Jones so. <laughs> is out for the year, there's, there's not a lot of hope there for the giants um, at the, no, the bottom of, of that ranking. Um, okay. Where are the Browns? So I've got the Browns at number seven overall. Uh, their offense jumped up to number 12 this week and the defense up to number three after pitching the shutout last week. Okay. So I, I couldn't help but think, so we've got your number, uh, your number one team going against your number seven team here. Um, yep. and I couldn't help but think as I was looking at, uh, at this game, the line is sitting there at six and a half, uh, as we're recording this. And, I happen to recall last week I saw the Seahawks and Ravens line, which was right around here, six, six and a half. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. well, that's crazy. Ravens shouldn't be favored by that many against the Seahawks. And of course, it turns out <laughs> that the Ravens just rolled in that game. So this is yep. sitting at six and a half. And again, I'm sitting here a little bit surprised at how big this number is, honestly. Yeah, it's it's tough. And especially in the NFL, we've talked about this before, where you have these division divisional games where you're playing a team twice in a season. And I mean, you just get so familiar with, with the personnel and the, and the schemes and, you know, you develop, you develop a real, you know, hatred for those teams, uh, which, which does change the outcome of the game. So my projection on the game is Ravens minus seven and a half, but again, and, and I project the total at 41 and a half, which is well over um, the, the current over under. But again, when you take into account that this is a divisional game those just tend to be much tighter much lower scoring so i don't i don't know that i would want to play a a favorite or an over uh in in a divisional game i I feel like i say that every week but i it it just continues to to remain true that more often than not these divisional games tend tend to favor the underdogs and the and the unders and i i think the you know the ravens are so interesting because i'm saying this after lamar jackson put up four touchdowns against the Browns the last time they played. But there is something to that familiarity with knowing what it's like to play against Lamar Jackson. And, and, you know, the Browns have before this season done a little better against him, you know, the last two times they faced him before that week four game this year. Uh, So I think there's something too about that familiarity of like, you know, kind of know what Jackson is like, because I feel like he's one of those players that until you feel it, until you experience it, you can see it on film, but it doesn't really do it justice. Yeah, sure. And and another thing to to consider here, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me or the the exact um quarterbacks in front of me, but but the Ravens have been, I think you've mentioned this before, the Ravens have been a little lucky this year with some of the quarterback injuries on the on the opposing teams that they've faced. So, you know, there there is a chance that their numbers are a little inflated due to that. So again, if I I'm not going to make this an official play, but if I had to play a side here, I would I would definitely take the Browns and a touchdown in this game um, because, like I said, it, it's possible the Ravens are a little inflated, and also this being a divisional game, I I definitely would would want to take the underdog here. All right. Well, what do you like in this game? Uh 
like I said, to be to be honest, there wasn't a whole lot. You know, I looked at the at the quarters and the halves, and and there just wasn't a ton. I, I considered a a team total, a first half team total that you know, like we cashed last week. But then I went back and looked that week four game. You know that that didn't go so well in the first half. So I was like, well, maybe maybe not. So I think I'm going to play this week. I'm going to play Deshaun Watson over 190, 193 and a half passing yards. And Kareem Hunt anytime touchdown at plus three seventy. I thought that was worth a, a little nibble. Yeah, and then Kareem Hunt, they do like to use him down near the goal line. So that's that's just kind of yep. one of those things to uh, to keep an eye on. Um, okay, so you know I'm you kind of got me addicted to these point bands. By the way, <laughs> I think that's I I just re- you know obviously look that worked out for us in this game. Um, I, I, the the Monday night game. Took a little bit of luck there at the end, but I had the Chargers in that same 21 to 30 range. I am curious, like, what are you looking for when you do decide, like, what goes into the point? Bear? Are you looking at the the total and the spread and kind of trying to see where a team would land? What what kind of things are you looking for? And I'll well, admit, what, I just kind what, of sprung this on you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, what, that, that's a fair question. What what really put me on it last week was that, if you recall, my projection and the, the odds makers basically were kind of like hand in hand. So I'm thinking, okay, if their numbers and my numbers say that, that the Browns should score X amount of points. like, And the other thing that's really surprising to me in the NFL is that these books do offer such a big band, like a nine-point band. Because I was looking in college because I was considering giving out an Ohio State point total band on Buckeye Talk. And in college, they're only like four or five point bands that you can bet. They they don't give you the nine nine points. And I'm I'm surprised in the NFL that they do that, given how tight the scoring is in that league. So I, I think that is, you know, maybe we stumbled onto something there. I think that maybe that is something worth taking a look at every week uh, to see, you know, again, as long I would play as long as my number and the odds makers are, are relatively close uh, on on a point total. OK, so what's a bet you really like out there this week? I think I'm going to take the Chargers plus two and a half this week uh, against the Lions. Um, I think everyone's going to be on the Lions, and understandably so. Um, but I actually project the Chargers as a two and a half point favorite in this game. So I'm I'm going to play the Chargers plus two and a half. And the good news right now, I'm, I'm looking at on DraftKings, that's actually up to plus three. Um, so oh, great. That extra half point. So I, I'm not yeah, sure maybe that, other that's places. Huge. Yeah, that, definitely. If you can two, get three, so. yeah, definitely. Yeah, so uh, so that's good news. What's one you're staying away from? Uh, again, you know the the two teams that I've I've talked about quite a bit in this segment, and that's the Raiders and the Jets. They play each other this week, so total total stay away. Uh, I mean, the Jets, God, their defense is so good, and the offense has had its moments this year. You know, and Zach Wilson in particular has had moments where they look competent, and then they just lay eggs like they did last last week. So I I don't trust either of those teams. So that's a complete stay away for me. I want to ask you about one other game uh, because this, the lines, I hate big lines. They, they scare me in the NFL. And yep. the biggest one I'm seeing right here is this, this might be one of the biggest I've seen this season so far is the Cowboys who are number five against the giants who are last. And that is Cowboys by 17. Do wow. you stay away yeah, from that's... lines like those or do you, I mean, if you're, not would, is that not something necessarily yeah not not necessarily I mean I projected at 15 and the crazy thing is I just did you know I, I try to keep my numbers as updated as I can given everything I've got going on but I just updated my NFL numbers um 
like three hours ago and this line was only at 16. So the fact that it's it's up another point since I've updated uh, is crazy. But yeah, I, I projected a 15. At 17, that being such a key number, uh, that is actually pretty enticing. I'm, I'm going to have to look closer at that. I think think you might be onto something there because, again, we, we talk about this all the time. The league is built on parity. Yes, the Giants are the, the bottom-ranked team in the NFL, but, I mean, that's only – that only puts them at seven and a half points below average. Like it's not like, like in college, the the bottom ranked team, you know, like a Kent state is going to be 30 points below average, but in the NFL, that's just not the case. These teams are just so close. So to have a 17 point line, that's, that's pretty big. And honestly, when I saw that I projected 15, I was a little surprised because generally my model is more conservative, you know, getting out on those, those big lines like that. I want to say that it hurts a little that you chose Kent State as the team to uh well to bring they up are there. they are dead last I'm sorry but they're, I have they're dead watched, last in my power I have ratings. watched <laughs> I have watched Kent State football a little this year so uh I'll I'll accept it. Um okay, my random scroll here that I'm looking at Packers Steelers under 39. Yeah, I that's one so I actually projected at 40. Okay. But again, you know, I've mentioned I've, I look at several formulas in addition to my official one and the other formula, literally all the other formulas are, are under that. They're all about 38, 38 and a half. So um, that's probably a stay away from me. Uh, I think that's that's probably a pretty good line on that game. Yeah, it's a low. I I, I don't like numbers in the 30s for whatever reason. It's just a weird. Yeah. But I don't see either of those teams necessarily like putting up a ton of points i don't see that being like a even a 25 to 15 game something like that it feels like if there is going to be a low under maybe that would be it but okay so that's that's right around where you have it and and where some other sources you you use have it then yep okay uh tyler tell everybody where they can find you yeah, follow me uh, on X at Tissue Index. You can read my writing, all my best bets at vsin.com. Hear me every Friday on Buckeye Talk as well, obviously, as, as here. Um, but again, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying doing this with you every week, Dan, and, and really appreciate, you know, kind of the community we've got. And, and hopefully everyone's making a little money on this as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been great. We've, we've been happy to have you on these preview pods. Certainly gives us a, another angle to talk about these games. So uh, Tyler's on every single Friday here, like you said. And of course, uh, catch him over on Buckeye Talk as well. He told you that too, as well. So uh, Tyler, appreciate the time. All right. Thanks, Dan. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Tyler Shoemaker for uh, joining us every Friday with his bets. Uh, we did okay last week, so we'll see how this week goes. All right. Mary Kay's back. Ashley's back. And it is time for us to make our Thursday night picks, our least favorite picks to make. Of all the picks we have to make, these are our least favorite picks for sure. Um, all right. Let's get to it. The Browns are underdogs here in baltimore no surprise a little surprised how big this line is six and a half so baltimore favored by nearly a touchdown the total on this game is 38 uh, and the browns are plus 240 on the money line i'll just i'll just do it i'll just break the ice um and maybe you guys can look good after i after i do this i'm picking the ravens I I hate to say that the Ravens are going to sweep this team. It's so hard to sweep teams in, in division games. And I think these are two really good teams. Like, I think the Browns are legitimately good. I know the Ravens are legitimately good. I just, I'm worried about the tackle situation. 
I'm still a little like I still kind of need to see it from Deshaun Watson against a good defense. And I'm worried about the Browns run game. They haven't really run the ball all that effectively recently. I know they got Kareem Hunt in the end zone, but it, it seems like the run game has been a little hit and miss at times. Um, you know, they, they got the screen game going in Seattle. That worked out well. But to me, to go on the road against Baltimore and win this game, maybe without two tackles, I think is a lot to ask. And so I'm going to pick Baltimore. I think it's going to be closer. I don't think it's going to be like Baltimore by 10. So I'm going to go, let's say Ravens 27. I get this is my new favorite number in picking games, I guess. Ravens 27, Browns 23. I think we'll feel okay about the Browns after this game, even though they lose. And like you said, Mary Kay, just split these games. If they split these games and they're six and four heading on this road trip to Denver and L.A., you're you're still in pretty good shape. Everything is still in front of you. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. Um, they they absolutely can recover uh, from a loss in this game. It's a huge huge game, and chances are if they slip to one and three in the AFC North, it's going to be really really hard to win the division. But they don't have to win the division to make the playoffs. They just have to win a bunch of games, and they still have a bunch of winnable games left and they've got a really good defense and they've got a really good quarterback coming back healthy now. And they haven't even scratched the surface offensively of what they are going to be capable of. So I don't think all will be lost. And I, I think you make some great points there, Dan. It is to the point where I get a little nervous picking against this defense. That's, I mean, that's kind of how good they are. All right. So I'm going Ravens. Who's next? Ashley, I'll jump at this. Don't all jump at this opportunity. <laughs> I'll go next. It's fine. No, I, Dan, I think we are, we are along the same wavelength here because I'm always so hesitant to pick against this defense. And, you know, I've been wrong a decent amount of times this season, about 50%. I will say I did almost have the Seahawks score exactly right. So I will victory lap on that, but there's been plenty I've been wrong about. And typically it's because this defense is just that good. However, that being said, like the tackle situation is just so dicey to me. It does make me nervous enough to pick the Ravens almost by itself, right? And then you add in the fact like it's on the road. I'm just thinking about the last couple of years in Baltimore too. Even like 2021, they pulled out a, you know, a fantastic defense perfor- defensive performance and still couldn't get it done against Lamar because like I just think for better and worse, like we talk about matchups and teams that are specific matchup problems for other teams. Like we think the Browns are a bad matchup for the Bengals, right? Well, I think the Ravens just continue to kind of be a bad matchup for the Browns. And until I see this defense counter adjust, I think that Lamar Jackson just might be a bad matchup for this defense because of his own skills. But I definitely think the Browns can keep it close. Like you said, I'm not... I'm not entirely confident that we're going to come away from this feeling bad about this team, even if they do lose. And I do think they're going to feasibly split these next two weeks. So I'm picking the Browns to lose in a heartbreaker. I'm going to go Ravens 24, Browns 23. Picking a one-point game here. Just because I'm I'm so bad at picking scores, and I just, I'm like, you know, (laughs) how am I going to verbalize that? I think it's going to be close in a heartbreaker. One point. Why not? 23. Weird. Just a Justin Tucker field goal at the end. That's exactly what I'm envisioning. A Justin Tucker field goal at the end to win it. 
and it's like going to be both, a 53 yarder. We're both going pretty high scoring for all we've talked about the defense defenses on both sides. We're actually both going kind of high scoring here to, to start this off. So Mary Kay, will you continue the trend? You know what? I've really grappled with this all week long. And I'm still kind of grappling with it because I don't really believe what I'm doing here, but I'm going to do it anyways. I don't really believe it. Uh, But again, do we ever believe? I mean, there are some games where, I mean, like when you pick the Browns to beat the Cardinals, we feel good about that pick, right? We felt good about that. We knew that we were going to be right on that one. And there are some other ones where we're pretty darn confident. And, and Ashley, when you talk about, you know, like being bad at picking the, the score, I mean, you know, who thought that the Browns were going to, um, to go 39-38 against the Colts? I mean, who, who saw that score? Come? Literally no one, not even Las Vegas. That's what no, you know. Not at all. So these are always so unpredictable. Uh, you never know what's going to happen in these games. I mean, I, I I had the Cardinals actually scoring some points this week. I didn't know who was necessarily going to start a quarterback. Um, but because this is one of the biggest games for the Browns in recent memory, because this is their biggest game of the season to date, because this is the reason why you got Deshaun Watson and you signed him for $230 million because this is the reason that you have Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio and Amari Cooper. This is it. This is the kind of game that you purchased all of these players for, or you drafted all of these players for, to go out and beat these Baltimore Ravens. And you already lost to them once. So you have every reason to go and beat them. And like these Browns players said, they came over here and did that to us. And now, we plan to go over there and do that to them. And I don't know. I just, for right now, I'm, I'm buying what they're selling. I am buying what they're selling. And that probably sounds crazy because even when you look at the last three victories of these Baltimore Ravens, uh, they have scored 37, 31, and 38 points. And the 38 came against Detroit. And the 37 came against Seattle. So these are not bad football teams by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so I, you know, but I agree with Wyatt Teller. They can be beat. They can be beat. Why do, how do we know that? Because they lost to the Colts and they lost to the Steelers. And if those teams can beat them, then certainly the Cleveland Browns can beat them. Now they are, four and one at home so far this season. I think it's four and one. It's either four and one or three and one at home. Um, So they are winning there and they are 13 and two at home against the Cleveland Browns under John Harbaugh. So it's never easy for the Browns to beat the Baltimore Ravens and certainly not in Baltimore. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. Um, But, you know what? Let's see what this defense is made of. You know, they carry the boom box. They carry, you know, they walk tall. They carry a big boom box. They carry a big stick. They, they talk a big game. They call themselves the best defense in the NFL. If they're the best defense in the NFL, then they should be able to go out and shut down this amazing offense. And when I look at this offense, I see some things that make me think, okay, 
you know, maybe they, maybe they can do something here. And one of those things is the fact that Lamar Jackson has only thrown nine touchdown passes this season. Nine. That's everybody's talking about him as having an MVP type of season. And he is doing a nice job, but he's only thrown nine touchdown passes. I mean, some of the NFL leaders are up in the, you know, 19 for Tua, 18 for Kirk before he got hurt, 18 for Josh Allen, 17 for Patrick Mahomes, 16 for Russell Wilson, 15 for Jalen Hurts, CJ Stroud, 14. And then you keep going down, down, down. And there you find Lamar tied for number 20 with only nine touchdown passes. So, okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that the Browns, I mean, they have to stop the run. There's no question about that. But it's not like Lamar is just completely lighting it up all over the place. Now, the one receiver, or not receiver, he's a tight end, but uh, the one person who does have a lot of touchdown catches is Mark Andrews. If they can just solve the Lamar to Mark Andrews connection, especially in the red zone and the end zone, you know, they should be good to go. Now, Odell's back this game. Uh, Rashad is back this game. So they do have, you know, other weapons. But he hasn't been throwing touchdown passes to anybody except for Mark Andrews. And furthermore, he is fumbling the ball like crazy. Okay? He has 10 fumbles, and he has lost six of them. So... You know, I I just, I do agree with Wyatt Teller that they can be beat. They can be beat if they take Mark Andrews out of the game and if they can stop the run. And now they have, obviously, uh, another good runner in rookie Keaton Mitchell, although he did leave with an injury today, so we don't know how that's going to be. Marlon Humphrey showed up on the injury report today, so we don't know how that's going to go. Um, But if this Browns defense is everything it claims to be, the best defense in the NFL, then it's got to go out in this game and it's got to absolutely prove it. So I think it's prove it time. It's put up or shut up time. Just like Shelby Harris said after the Browns beat the Arizona Cardinals. It's put up, it's shut up or put up or put up or whatever. Do that. Anyways. So I'm, I'm picking the Browns to win this game because they need it. They need it so badly. They, they need to do this. They have to catch up from having their quarterback miss most or all of four games. They got to go get this one. So I'm going Browns 23 to 20, and I'm probably going to look a fool on Sunday, but that's what I'm doing. Ashley and I sat here and made our little Baltimore Ravens picks. And then Mary Kay gives like a 10 minute pep talk to Browns fans. I know. I loved it. (laughs) You know, I will say though, like, I don't, I don't think it's like outlandish. Like if the Browns win, I'm not going to be like shocked in a way that I think like maybe people around the like, like national people or whatever, like analysts might be surprised who haven't had to like pay attention to this team in the day to day. 
But, like, even Dan, like, you saying the, the thing about it's hard to beat these division opponents twice, it's hard to sweep any division opponent, that even had me second-guessing my, my close Baltimore pick. Um, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by it for right now, and I'll see if I change my mind on Friday to yeah, pick I the Browns. I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be a shock if the no. Browns won. It would be a shock if no. the Browns, like, blew them out. But I don't yeah. think it would be a shock if the Browns won this game. Um, because for for two of the really important points you made there, Mary Kay, that stood out were the fumbles. Baltimore has been loose with the football. Mm-hmm. And that that game against Tennessee in London, the Ravens could not finish drives. It was <laughs> Justin Tucker field goal. Justin Tucker, like almost every single one of their drives, even into the red zone, we're looking at, you know, 20 yard field goals, 29 yard field goals. They, they had a game already where they were moving the ball and they played really well. And they put up 360 yards of offense against Tennessee overseas, but they couldn't finish drives. And if that happens again, that leaves the door open for the Browns. And we know that the Browns can strike quickly with Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper. Deshaun's going to look to get the ball down the field. And so that's, yes, there is absolutely a scenario where the Browns win this game. I'm not going to pick it, but there is absolutely like the Browns are going to Baltimore if they real chance to win this football game. And that's why, mm-hmm. look, I said this about the Seattle, the Seattle Ravens game last week. That line was around six or six and a half. And I couldn't believe it. I I'm shocked that this line is as big as it is. I think these teams are closer than people are giving the Browns credit for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that, you know, when I look at this game, I really see that the Ravens defense is really, really good. And they're healthier than they were last time if Marlon Humphrey plays. And if Marcus Williams, their starting safety plays. And it looks like he is going to play. Um, and, I mean, they on the defensive side of the ball, they look to be pretty healthy. And they have a lot to prove. And they are on their home turf. And they are very, very fiery and cocky, just like the Browns. So it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. But I think I'm putting it more on the Browns' defense to come out and shut down Lamar and Mark Andrews. And if they can do that, I think they win the game. Okay, there we go. Our Browns-Ravens preview podcast kickoff is Sunday at 1 o'clock in Baltimore. We, of course, will be there and have full coverage. Get subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Find us on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk. And definitely find us on YouTube. Uh, search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com over there to find us. Uh, thanks to Lance. Thanks to Tyler for joining us here on this preview pod. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. 